you seek the key. But first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Right now on Fast, the Nasdaq riding a seven-week winning streak into the weekend while the S&P is up for the fourth straight week and crossed the 4,300 mark for the first time since last August. Heading into next week's Fed decision, is now the time to jump on the bullish bandwagon? We'll debate that. Plus, charting Tesla's supercharged rally, the stock now up 11 days in a row, surging over 45% in just the last month. We'll go inside the numbers and ask the chart master where we go from here. And later, no beef on the street with Netflix, a battle royale on Royal Caribbean, and a burrito blowout on where Chipotle is heading next. I'm Melissa Lee. This is Fast Money. We're live at the Nasdaq market site on the desk tonight. Steve Grasso, Courtney Garcia, Guy Dami, and Bono and Eisen. And we start off with a nearly 10-month high for the S&P, the index crossing above the 4,300 level for the first time since August 16th today. It closed just below that mark, but still notches fourth up week in a row. Leadership, though, as you know, has been narrow. Only four S&P sectors are positive over that span, with tech and communication services leading the way. The Nasdaq up for a seventh week in a row. It is the index longest winning streak since November 2019. The gains coming ahead of a big week for markets on the docket. New inflation data, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen's testimony before the House Financial Services Committee, and of course the Fed's all-important decision on interest rates. So how should you position yourself going into this weekend? Grasso, are you bullish here? The market's where we are? Yeah, I'm, I'm bullish. And I, I, think the, I think the natural thing would be that maybe we just entered into a higher trading range. So where we were at 3,800 and change, all the way up to 42, maybe now it's 4,350. You said it was August 2022. That level was 4,325. We kissed it, backed off it, and I think we could expand that to maybe 4,350. But everyone still hates this rally, which means that it probably goes higher. The problem I have, it's been too many consecutive days of bullishness. Mm-hmm need to pull back, need some type of reversion trade, need everyone to sort of get their chips back on the table. I'm still bullish, but I, I need a breather from this momentum. I think people have been resistant because they keep waiting for the next shoe to drop. Like, how could it be that we, we saw three banks go under effectively and, and there aren't any other fallouts here? How can it be that the Fed, um, you know, hikes, hikes interest rates so quickly and so steeply and still we don't have any side effects of that in terms of a massive slowdown in the consumer and a recession? Yeah, which people have been calling for for now a year and a half, and it just Mm -hmm. hasn't materialized. And I think you're starting to get people realizing that the markets and the economy are in a better place than people realize. But I think what we really need to see with the markets right now is a larger breadth right now. We need not just eight to 10 companies that are leading this markets. We need to see it across the board. And I actually am still really optimistic that that will happen. But there's still a lot of really good valuations. So when you're looking this year, it really is basically eight stocks that have led this entire rally. If you look at the other 495 and the SP500, they're actually collectively still down for the year right now. And there's still a lot of places you can take advantage of. So I would actually focus on those, not these things that are actually creating this bull, the new bull market that we're in right and now. And breath is expanding. Breath it has it just started is. to. Yeah, I mean, for the Russell, up 1.9% on the week guide. I mean, there are glimmers of hope here in terms of expansion, the breadth of this market. Yeah, without question. So I'll punch a hole in that and say, yes, clearly the Russell's up, but so much of that move is predicated on regional banks. And listen, it's fine. It's still rallying, but it's not necessarily rallying, in my opinion, because the economy is magically doing better. 
surrounding because some of these regional banks have been beaten up and people are just trying to get ahead of what they think is the value trade, which may continue to work. But I look at the S&P at 4,300. We're probably trading close to 19 times this year's number. You know, 17 and a half next year's if we get there. And I, you know, Stan Druckenmiller's comments are still sort of ringing in my ears from this week. 15 to 20 percent earnings decline that, you know, we have not seen on the back of 500 basis points of hikes yet. I'm surprised it hasn't affected the market. The lag effects lasted longer, but I think there's an inevitability to this entire thing, Mel. Yeah, Bonowin? Yeah, I think there's, a, to Guy's point, I think there definitely is a lag effect. There was a lag effect going into the whole inflationary pressures that led us in to the beginning of like all the COVID relief and our expansion to the upside, uh, multiple expansion. And I think it will likely be the same story on this side. Listen, I've taken the pain. I fought the bulls and clearly they've won for the time being. But I, I really wonder if it's starting to become more of, more of a Pyrrhic victory where you get people piling in just at the precipice of downside. To your point, 550 basis points of hikes has yet to really be realized. And it's it's those concerns. Yes, we're, we're all saying, what's the next shoe to drop? Several shoes have dropped. We've just gotten through this regional banking crisis. For me, it's cracks that are starting to show rather than the end of uh, a, a ca- catastrophe avoided. All right. So Bono and Guy are a little bit more reserved. Courtney, since you're a little bit more optimistic here, where would you be? Um, S&P 500 or equal weight S&P 500? Um, equal weight SPR 100 is actually down a lot more so right now because mm-hmm. the problem is is those 10 companies, I mean, they take up about 26% of the SPR 100 right now, which is the problem. And those valuations are getting extremely stretched right, right now. So I would actually yeah, go more towards an, an equal weight because you're going to get a lot more exposure to the things that are underperforming right yeah. now. Yeah, I mean, that goes to the point of do you see this market, this rally broadening? Do you see that broadening? Yeah, so w- one of two things are going to happen, right? When you, when you have a lack of breath in the marketplace, either the, the rest of the market falls or I should say those top eight to 10 stocks Mm -hmm. crater as well, or the others catch up, or maybe sometimes you get a little bit of a little bit of both. I think you probably get a little bit of both. I think you're going to see expansion. Everyone was calling for the end of earnings, basically, right? What, what, eight to 10% or 15% or 20% the earnings decline? That didn't happen. So you can continue to wait for the, and and, and I think these are all cyclical things. Eventually, we're going to have a recession. Is the recession now? Is it put off? Were we in a recession last year and maybe some of the gains from the energy sector kind of masked the recession? Recessions are only in full focus after we've already gotten out of the recession where we could say, oh, we were in a recession. So waiting to trade on that has become a, you know, a fool's errand within the marketplace. Stick with quality companies, wait for a pullback and get back in. Yeah. Um- Guy, do we need to know if if we are if we have seen a recession, if we're going into a recession? I mean, uh, to Steve's point, if if we sort of work through that worry already in the stock market, maybe we've seen the impact on stocks, maybe not the economy, but the impact on stocks and earnings forecasts already. Yeah, maybe. I'm I'm not an economist, so it's hard for me to answer that question. I mean, it seems again there seems to be an inevitability to that part as well on the recession. If you just listen to some of the commentary out a lot of these retailers, some of the manufacturers, it's a wide swath. I think we're all, no, I shouldn't say that. I, I think the market to a certain extent is getting excited by things that are going to happen years from now, not necessarily today. And I think the Fed might actually surprise people next week. If you look at what the Bank of Canada did, that was a surprise. Now, it's a different set of circumstances. I get it. Inflation's a bigger problem there. Inflation's still a problem here without question. And I think 
you know, the fact that things are seemingly as loose as they are gives the Fed a lot of ammunition to be a little more hawkish, I think, than a 4,300 S&P takes into consideration. I mean, we took a couple of surprises from various central banks uh, this week in stride. I mean, you mentioned Bank of Canada, also Australia, and these are hikes after a pause, which is what we are expecting here for the Fed. And so it's curious to me, Courtney, at least, that the markets can, can be fine with, okay, we're all on board this June pause, but whether or not we hike in July, it looks more and more likely, but they could hike again. I mean, we don't really know. There is no quote unquote end to this cycle per se, and the Fed has made that clear. And I think that's really what's not getting priced into the market right now, because even if they do pause, which it does look like there's a good chance that they're going to pause next week, um, I think the idea is they'll probably still stay at this higher for longer rate, whereas there's getting less and less of a likelihood that there's going to be cuts later this year, which people had been expecting as soon as just a couple of weeks ago. Um, But yes, now people are actually looking at additional hikes. And that's where I think a lot of these large tech companies that have extremely stretched valuations, people have been running to those as a safety trade, but they're not pricing in the fact that we're in this higher for longer rate environment. I think that's going to start to get priced. If, If inflation has peaked, then you would think that the market should be bought. At this point. The peak doesn't mean anything if it stays there. Inflation. If, if inflation has peaked, but it still remains high, maybe not at its peak, right. that's still a problem. Yeah, if right? China doesn't come on the way that everyone thought the reopening of China was going to come back, then you have a, 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 a potential for inflation to actually crater, not just not just to have peaked and stay the same. global demand is down. Exactly. So you could see it, and you want to be a buyer of, of, of the market in, in that case. So I think that's what people are focusing on. All right, let's uh, let's get to Tesla here. The stock soaring 4% today on the back of the GM charging network deal. The EV uh, maker locking in 11 straight days of gains, tying its longest ever winning streak. Last week, the chart master said that Tesla was still heading higher. It is now up more than 21% since that call. So is Carter going to say to stay long? Carter, what do you say? Uh, I mean, gosh, who knows? But I, I, my hunch is to, to take some measures. It's It's... Not just because it's up 11 sessions in a row. It's up a lot. Uh, there's been price discovery, if you will. It's also news related uh, with this sort of uh, joint venture thing going on, or at least collaboration with uh, Ford and GM. Uh, but also today, with the gap uh, gapped up at the open, that means there's an unusual buying pressure. It used to be called a late open, of course. We don't have those anymore. But the stock faded and didn't close all that well. So I think it's up uh, maybe uh, a bit ahead of itself. My hunch is to write some calls, to trim, to take some measures. Uh, we have two charts. Let's look at mm-hmm. them, um, if you'd like. Uh, the first is, perchance, we've retraced, remarkably, exactly half of the peak, the trough, sell-off. We know that it was... $415 at the high, 100 at the low, and here we are at 244 uh, halfway back. Uh, the second chart uh, of two, it just uh, tried to, to pick the downtrend line in effect since the high. Does it have to stop on that line? Of course not, but I think you trim. All right. Carter, thank you. We will see you in just a few minutes on Options Action. Steve, you took extreme measures when it came to your Tesla position. I did. So originally, when he when he uh, had that chart up around $100, I bought my first leg at 105, sold it in the 190s, bought it back above 200, bought it again as it dipped below, and then I just this he he alluded to it or he said it. 11 straight up days. I think the future is extremely bright for Tesla going forward. I think that they have a monopoly in multiple areas within the EV networks. And I, I, I just want to see I, I want to see it like the overall market. I want to see it come back in a little bit. Give me a better entry point. 
took my chips off the table. We'll see. The optimism surrounding the charging network deals with Ford and GM is just it's tremendous. I mean, Piper had an interesting note saying that Tesla could earn as much as $3 billion over the next seven years from these agreements, uh, Bono. And I mean, if you liked Apple services revenues, maybe, maybe this is sort of the beginning of, of something like that. I mean, that you hit the nail on the head definitely speaks to recurring revenue, which you, you definitely like. I think really, you know, the question is about momentum and, and short term trading activity. And to the other two previous panelists point, I just think it's a bit overstretched here. With that said, Tesla just t- seems to have a mind of its own. This stock could go up another 20 percent, 30 percent from this. And I don't think any of us would be surprised. So I think I'm with Carter in that. Not that I would be just shorting it here. But if I've already been in, Steve said he's in. He has about one hundred and five dollar cost basis. If I am in there, I'm definitely writing calls if I don't want to share if I don't want to sell outright. But I'd probably be uh, taking some cash and looking to deploy it uh, elsewhere. Yeah. You sold that 105 tranche at 190. Yes. Yeah. yeah, Yes. And just to be clear, I'm out of the name right now. I want to take a look and see how it reacts next week. Yeah. Guy, next move. Higher or lower for Tesla? You look at at Carter's charts. I mean, 50% retracement one, right up against the downtrend line two. And we've been in this downtrend for a few years now. It's a pretty significant one. The bounce has been historic. But I mean, the trade that Steve just put on is, is fantastic. I mean, wait for better entry point. I don't think this is the entry point to get long. GM was a winner in all of this, too, Courtney, by the way, and Ford when it announced its agreement with Tesla. GM and Ford, yeah, which mm-hmm. I think that's the, I think the kind of the bigger picture story with this is um, the batteries really are not as big of a high margin um, business for Tesla, but it's really going to help people get more into the EV space because you're still not seeing a majority of car ownerships go into EVs. But if it's a lot easier where people can drive for longer, it's easier to get charging stations. It's really going to benefit everyone involved. So it's kind of a, you know, benefit beneficiary for everyone. Coming up, it hasn't been all about NVIDIA, Meta and Tesla this year. There are lots of other stocks that are having strong 2023s. So how should we be playing them after their run? We will find out in later on Options Action, building for gains, home builders or multi-year highs as one big player gets ready to report earnings what you might expect in those results, and how to play the moves. More Fast Money in two. Wouldn't it be great to have all your investment and retirement accounts in one place? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, makes it easy. I use it to put my investment account and 401k accounts into one hub and get expert tips that help me confidently manage my money. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or are looking for that extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They're the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. Securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth including 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors, and it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insight to look at your wealth in its entirety. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. Welcome back to Fast Money. Well, this year's rally has been largely driven by a handful of tech stocks. It's not just NVIDIA and Tesla beating the market. Check out the moves and names like Royal Caribbean, cruising 85% higher so far this year. Salesforce is up 61%. Amazon and Chipotle delivering spicy gains of nearly 50%. But which of these names have more gas in the tank? Let's find out with a little game of... Hmm. Trade it or fade it! <laughs> We supposed to sing it? At this point? <laughs> I don't know what happened to the audio of that. Well, it's supposed to go trade it or, or fade it. 
That's all right. Okay, there that's right. <laughs> I guess we didn't hear it. Um, <laughs> it is the hot stocks edition. Let's kick it off with Royal Caribbean. Uh, Courtney, do you trade or fade this one? I would trade this. Um, you've actually seen a lot of demand coming back into the cruise lines. And really, the pricing power, I think, has been extremely impressive here. And I think it still has a lot of room to run, especially considering it's about a 35 to 45% discount than land-based travel. And I think you're going to con- continue to see that benefit them. Bonowin. I think Courtney makes a lot of good points, and this, this company has definitely turned it around. But my argument is that they've really had to. If you look at the EV bloat on this company because of the debt, you're looking at $2.73 billion in quarterly debt payments. And I just wonder if the free cash flow bill will be long enough to service that over a long enough period of time and get this company to deliver. At 21 times, you're already paying more than you've paid for it in about a decade. So I'm fading it. All right, let's move on to Chipotle Mexican Grill. CMG guy always loves a good burrito blowout. Do you trade or fade this one? You know the answer to that, Mel. If you're looking for gas in your tank or gas anywhere else, for that matter, you want to stay in CMG. You know, 37 times sounds expensive. The problem is it's actually getting cheaper on the way up. So I stay with CMG. Trade it. Steve? So I'm going to fade this one. And I know uh, a guy's looking at it on a chart, and he likes that it's building. You know, The longer the base, the higher in space. And I know uh, the, w- the way he thinks there, too. So it does look okay technically, but I think it's actually going to fail and close that gap. How many more? The bullish story about CMG is that they're going to open more stores. They're going to be more efficient. I think they're at peak efficiency right now. The stock price is probably priced to perfection. So I'll stay with the faded. All right, let's uh, get to Salesforce. Bono in, trade it or fade it? Uh, I'm going to trade this one. Um, now, for me, listen, the valuation's a bit stretched. I think it's about 28 or 29 times. But you really want to get down to, uh, are you buying growth at the right price? And I would argue historically, yes, particularly if you look at the PEG ratio, which I think it's about 1.3, 1.4, which is cheap versus historicals. I think they've taken measures to kind of rein in costs. And ultimately, this is about me looking at you know, things that have run, where they've been historically, and whether or not I still think there might be some incremental value. So I'm sticking with it. Guy, CRM. I'll go the other way. I'll fade it. And I'll say, if you stretch that chart out, you'll see, you know, Carter mentioned a 50% retracement in, in Tesla. Well, you have the same thing going on here from the October 2021 high to the December 2022 low. We've just made a 50% retracement. Big valuation. I think it does a back and fill here, Melms. All right. And finally, Amazon, Steve Grasso, trade it or fade it? Amazon, I'm going to trade this one. And, and I know you, the tendency is the market's run. This is the market. But they, they have a lot of levers to pull on the, on, on the stock. And it has broken the long-term declining trend line. And I think AI is going to be a significant portion of what drives it as a tailwind going forward. I know it's counterintuitive. You think the market's going to take a step back. But Amazon still has legs. Courtney? Uh, I would fade this here. I do think this is it's, it's a great company. It's at a really great run up. But just at this kind of valuation, it's traded 84 times next year's earnings, which I just don't know what the catalyst is going to be to drive that further. Maybe it's AI. We'll see. But I think in the, in the short term, um, I would stay on the sidelines. All right. Coming up, our chart of the week. And this time we are not spelling it with an A. The names that's now up five weeks in a row. How much higher can it go? We'll get some answers. And throughout June, CNBC is celebrating Pride Month. Here's a global head of partnerships for House. The amount of stress and the emotional baggage that comes with hiding your own authentic self at work is it's immense. For the first 10 years of my career, I didn't come out and it just stopped me from performing 
to my true skills and my true capabilities. The second thing I would say, particularly for folks in hiring positions in organisations, is to go out and seek folks in the LGBT community, particularly in positions of leadership. It's really important for us to be able to look up to somebody who um, is in our community because you know, it helps us have aspirations, just as all of us have aspirations in life. Welcome back to Fast Money. Time for our chart of the week. It is Netflix surging almost 5% since Monday, now at highs not seen since last February. The streaming giant posting a fifth straight week of gains after starting its crackdown on password sharing in the United States. The company saw one of its largest ever jumps in new subscriber ads. This according to new data from Antenna. Bonowin, do you like Netflix here? You know, I do. I just... Um it's really just you just can't afford to sell it because there still seems to be a perceived underlying tailwind of catalyst to the upside. I honestly thought that subscribers were no longer going to be the focal point, but I think traders are telling you that it still very much is. I just think at some point, this new phenomenon of like the bump of subscribers that they're getting from this crackdown is going to converge with their organic subscriber growth rate. Uh, and that's the only thing that I would kind of say look out for. Yeah, it does seem also that um, its competitors, Guy, are a little bit weakened in terms of their ability to pay up for content. So, so they are sort of stymied in this competition. Yeah, you know, maybe even the writer's strike has given them a little mm. bit of a tailwind as well. There's a lot of things going on here for them. And it's, listen, the stock's been unbelievable. When it was cheap on valuation, that's when it was a screaming buy. Now it's getting towards levels where it's been trading historically. Now you have to be a little more discerning, I think. So... Where it, wasn't, where it was impervious to the market over the last six months, I think it's going to start to fall victim. And if you think the market's due for something next week, I think you take some profits in Netflix here. Yeah, and I would agree with that. I think it's definitely as a stretch valuation right now. But I do think when you're looking at the fact that they are tamping down on the password sharing, um, the estimates vary widely. Some people think this can add about $2 billion in revenue. Some people as much as $6 billion in revenue. So I think there is still such a wide range. And if this does add a lot more subscribers than they're expecting, it can solve some upside. So I would see that as more short term, just considering how expensive it is. But it might be worth a look here. Netflix has the best uh, interface or uh, forward-facing for the uh, consumer, it's not even close. You go on any of these other streaming sites, they're terrible. They have deep pockets, to your point. They have all the content. But now when you start to crack down on, on password sharing, that's a finite amount. And I think out of the gates, it looks really impressive. I, I, I'd fade it. Are we still playing my game? No, but oh, you just did, darn. which is fine. Um, final trade time. Let's go around the horn. Guy Adami. If we're playing it, trade Gilead next week alongside. <laughs> the game is over. Bono in. <laughs> Final trade. I'm taking a look at I'm taking I'm taking a look at Toll Brothers. <laughs> Although I'd probably be doing it with call options given where the VIX is. Courtney? Uh, Bank of America, I think if you're looking for some good valuations, banks are still very cheap here. This is one to take a look at. Steve, do whatever you want. Okay. <laughs> All right. So I'm, I'm going to be a trader of this stock. So Micron would be my final trade. It got spooked by the China headlines, but I think as the smoke clears, that one's going higher. All right. That does it for us here on Fast Money, but do not move a muscle. We've got many more trades just ahead on Options Action on the other side of the break. Stay tuned.
All opinions expressed by the Fast Money participants are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by them on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed on this podcast as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of an opinion. Such opinions are based upon information the Fast Money participants consider reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warrant its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Fast Money Disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash Fast Money Disclaimer. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager.